These are the commentary notes for week 12, which days one through five are combined together for our final week of meditation on the climactic event of Mark's gospel, of all four of the gospels, and indeed of the entirety of scripture. Our salvation hinges on what is contained in eight verses in Mark's account, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Mark's phrase, when the Sabbath was over, in verse 1, indicates any time after sundown on Saturday evening. The three ladies who watched Jesus breathe his last in Mark fifteen forty, watched Joseph bury his linen-wrapped body in Mark fifteen forty seven. It appears Salome was apparently absent from the group who accompanied Joseph to the tomb. At any rate, these ladies are now also the first to arrive at the tomb, quote, early on Sunday morning, verse 2, so that they might come and anoint the body of Jesus with spices, Mark 16, 1. Due to the haste of Jesus' burial, they have made it their priority to reach his tomb as soon after Sabbath as possible to complete the necessary procedures for a proper burial. According to France, while Jewish corpses were not embalmed in technical, in the technical Egyptian sense, as you would find in places like Genesis 50, verses 2 and 3, aromatic spices and ointment, according to Luke 23, 56, were used as a mark of respect and perhaps to keep the corpse fresh for as long as possible, close quote. The Jewish anointing of the dead was less to prevent decay and more of an act of devotion. The rush of Friday evening's process to secure permission from Pilate limited Joseph from giving thorough application to Jesus' body, although Joseph and Nicodemus did apply a healthy dose of myrrh and aloes to Jesus' body. We're told in John 19.39 they applied about a 100 pounds weight. Additionally, in God's providence, he already had another lady pre-anoint Jesus for burial just a few days earlier, Mark 14. Verses 3 to 9. The question remains unanswered in the Gospels for how the ladies would have accessed the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. Verse 3. Mark point, Mark's point, however, is to underscore the veracity of his account. According to Edwards, for the third time, Mark lists the names of the women attending the cross, burial, and empty tomb of Jesus. The listing of proper names, so unusual for Mark, certifies on the basis of eyewitnesses the veracity of the events described. More remarkable is the repetition of the list, and even more so that they are names of women. Jewish opinion of women, especially in religious matters, was not always positive, close quote. Mark's focus on the women actually serves to validate his gospel account. For if a first century author, author author was seeking to propagate a fabricated story of resurrection, the last source he would embellish as eyewitnesses would be women. Quote, had early Christians fabricated the resurrection story, the testimony of women in all four Gospels was no way to go about it. Close quote from Edwards. Again, another quote from Donald McLeod. It's hard to imagine any creator of myth or legend choosing these as the first, as the first witnesses to the risen Jesus. Close quote. Had these women not in fact been present, Mark would certainly not have named them so often as validation of his gospel claims. 
Again, McLeod, quote, nothing but the fact that this is how it actually happened can explain the choice of such witnesses, the supreme instance, perhaps, of the foolishness of God, 1 Corinthians one twenty-five. close quote. Our God does not operate by human societal standards. It was not a concession for the Lord to so honor these women to be the first witnesses of gospel events. It was his joy. Again, quoting, those whose testimony is discounted in human society are the first to be included in the divine society. You can see 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 28 for that, and that quote came from Edwards. Verse 4 reads, Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. This must have come both as a shock as well as a relief in light of their quandary in verse 3 of who will roll, roll the stone away. Entering the tomb, we read, They saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. These verses have, quote, the ultimate affirmation of the divine sonship of Jesus, close quote from McLeod. The one who was crucified the Friday prior between two thieves is indeed, quote, the son of God, Mark fifteen thirty nine. The angelic pronouncement, he has risen, in verse 6, is the climactic center of all of Scripture and indeed of all of history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is God the Father's proof that all that Jesus, uh, proof to all that Jesus is His Son? You can see that uh, explicated in Romans one verse four, and the resurrection of Jesus is a validation to the universe of the acceptance of Jesus's sacrifice for sinners. You could see that explicated in Romans chapter six verse five. The risen Jesus has accomplished our redemption. His victory over sin, death, and Satan is irreversibly accomplished. The resurrection of Jesus confirms that every promise of God is yes in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Because Jesus is risen, we are to no longer, uh, we are no longer in our sins. 1 Corinthians 15.17 He was raised for our justification. Romans 4.25 Because of his resurrection, death is no longer master over him. Romans 6.9 We are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 David, Israel's great king and poet, looked forward to Christ's resurrection. Acts 2.31 The apostles all testified of the resurrection of Jesus, proclaiming this truth boldly throughout the entire known world. Acts 1.22 Acts 4.33, the risen Jesus, blinded, converted, and unleashed Saul of Tarsus to proclaim the good news. Acts 9, Galatians 1 and 2, all who know the risen Jesus long to fully experience his resurrection power. Philippians 3, verse 10. With worshiping wonder, the ladies rush off in haste at the angelic order to, quote, tell the disciples and Peter to meet him in Galilee. Verse 7. 
According to Lane, Peter is singled out because of his repeated and emphatic denial of Jesus in chapter 14, 66 to 72. He had not been mentioned by Mark since that shameful occasion, and his disloyalty might well be regarded as an extreme example of sin and blasphemy which disqualified him from participating in Jesus' triumph, yet he had been forgiven. Could see 328. The summons to Galilee provided the assurance that Peter had not been rejected by the risen Lord. Close quote. That came from Lane. Verse 8 reads, in the final verse of Mark's gospel, they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. What a strange ending, right? How could this be Mark's concluding sentence? According to, verse, uh, according to a footnote on page 244, uh, you can find a treatment on why the longer ending is not to be regarded as original, and those notes are on page 10 of your teleos study in the introduction. So back to our point at hand, how could this be Mark's concluding sentence? They were afraid. It is not strange at all when we consider that this, this verse, in light of Mark's entire message, the fear of these women corresponds to the same reaction Everyone else in Mark's gospel experienced in response to the revelation of Christ's transcendent dignity. Mark 4.41, The silence of the women coupled with their holy fear is consistent with all in Mark's narrative who affirm a proper Christology. These women were worshiping the risen Savior, and that's where Mark intended to leave it. According to Lane, it is the resurrection of Jesus which creates the good news concerning Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, which is the opening verse of Mark's gospel, Mark 1.1. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's Mark 10.45, and this concludes the commentary notes for week 12 and our study on the Gospel of Mark. God bless you.